Hello, bienvenue and welcome to Oblivious Book Review, the podcast where we speak about our recent readings and a lot of other things. Today, your hosts are Sander and Elio, and today we are going to speak about The Wizard and the Prophet by Charles C. Mann, two remarkable scientists and their dueling vision to shape tomorrow's world. Swedish summer is a lie. I feel like climate change was real in the end. <laughs> Who could have believed? <laughs> well, even in Sweden, it could be a Sunday warm, right? Yeah, hopefully not too, too often. Well, tell me, which book have you been reading last a couple of weeks? Yes, so the last book I read and the one I want to tell you about mm. is The Wizard and the Prophet from uh, Charles C. Mann. Uh-huh. And I can tell you after reading the book that this guy, he is the man. <laughs> yeah, he knows his stuff. Yes, he knows his stuff. Really? And what so, like, what do you think he, the book is about when I say the wizard and the prophet? What do you think well, it talks about? For me, uh, the wizard sounds someone who uh, comes up with kind of magical explanations. Uh-huh. And the prophet is maybe he will envision certain type of ideas. <laughs> I don't know. When I hear prophet, I, I think I have a very... An old man in the old times covered in uh, dirty clothing <laughs> or someone that is in the middle of a public place in a big city and mm. they're saying that the end is near. True. I, I would envision him as in living in a cave. Yeah, yeah. maybe he can live in a cave. <laughs> like a <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I'm sorry, Sandra, but the book is not about that. Really? Yeah. So the, the Wizard and the Prophet, it's a story about two men, actually. Who both try their best to save humanity. Mm. There is a big focus on uh, how to save humanity from climate change and how to make humanity sustain itself in the centuries, decades to come. Mm-hmm. But these two men, what is interesting is that they both want the same thing, but they have absolutely different, if, if even opposed, means to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And which. Uh opposing means are those? So, I will tell you about these two guys. Uh-huh. Because in the book, uh, the author, Charles, he refers to like two actual persons who lived in the beginning of the century. Mm. Um, William Vogt, that is the prophet. Who? William Vogt. 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 What was Vogt? It's his name. Aha, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I felt like walking, like, uh, you know, that's uh, cooking. <laughs> It's hard enough with a French accent to say work, work, and work, but uh, don't make it harder. Uh, so he's the prophet, and the other guy is called Norman Borlaug, mm. he was American, uh, and he's the wizard. Mm. And so uh, these two guys lived more or less at the same period. Vogt is born before and uh, ended up killing himself in uh, 68. Why? Ah, that will depend on his life, that we tell you about. Oh. They had quite um, eventful life, these two men. Okay. And they started a way of thinking, the wizard way of thinking, the perfect way of thinking. Okay. And is, are those two, uh, wizard and the prophet, have real terminology? Or is it just a definition that this author just made up? No, it's... Um, 
a funky romanced way to describe these two guys. Mm. Okay. They're not actually prophet and wizard. Oh. Prophet, maybe you could say the prophet is more of a prophet than the wizard is a wizard mm. because there is no such thing as wizard, at least not until you get in, on stage and you can uh, make a Columbus appear. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But so, um, both these guys, they want to save humanity. And the wizard, how to do that? They believe 100% in the human ingenuity. Mm. They really think that people, given enough time and effort, we can get, uh, we can science the shit out of it. Mm. We can overcome any challenges. And so Norman Borlaug is someone that is famous because he was a big man uh, in the Green Revolution that happened in the last century. Mm. He was one of the persons that uh, worked a lot with uh, selective breeding of plants and with uh, chemical fertilizers mm. in order to uh, improve the yields because the big limitation humans have all the time is food. Mm. As long as you have food, you can have a lot of population, you can have economic growth. Yeah. You need to have energy to sustain all of that, but yeah. food is a pretty important component of having large amount of population. I guess so, yeah. I mean, uh, if you develop enough food, you can sustain society. Yeah. Right, so there is not only that, but uh, at least we can say without problem that without food, you don't have a society. Mm. You can have food and no society, but you cannot have food and... Uh, and you cannot have no food and society. No, that's difficult. And so uh, this guy, Norman Borlaug, the wizard, he grew up in a very poor farm and he was like having very trouble with his numerous brother and sister to uh, uh, grow everything. He was from a poor family and one day his family bought uh, a tractor, heavy machinery. Mm. And this tractor uh, saved their life or like made their life so much better it was they were able to grow much more things mm. and they didn't need it, all the livestock they used for um, uh, growing stuff before you mean like plowing yeah exactly yeah. plowing yeah. exactly so like all the, f the things they were growing for the livestock now they could grow it to sell it mm -hmm. more money and this was kind of the entrepreneurial dream starting mm. like you get better machinery so you get more money so you can invest more mm. so you can get even more like it, it keeps on growing and that's what shaped the vision of Norman Borlaug, the wizard, which was use high-tech, use uh, technology to improve human life. Mm. And on some regard, it worked a lot. Thanks to his work, there was a lot of people that could have been born that could never have been sustained mm. otherwise without his uh, advance. Mm. He worked a lot with uh, crop uh, selective breeding, as I said. And which field? I mean, like, like grains or, I don't know, or um, fruits? I don't, he worked with a lot of different crops and he worked mostly in uh, Mexico at the beginning of uh -huh. his career. Okay. Because there were projects with the Rockefeller Foundation yeah. and that was one thing he was part of. So that's one characteristic as well, the difference between the wizard and the prophet, that the wizard, they have money and the prophet, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing. So that's more or less the wizard. You, you get uh, what kind of uh, money is. Mm. And the other vision, how to save humanity, is the prophet, William Vogt, and this guy is a naturalist, he was a bird watcher. Mm. But the, the, the book put a lot of emphasis on these humans, who they are. But I think they could have been completely fictional, it was not important, wouldn't have been important. Yeah. Because they just represent a way of thinking. And how, how can I envision this type of thinking? I don't know. What, what do you mean? I don't know what a naturalist is, actually. Ah, naturalist is um, 
someone who looks at nature, usually quite related with a biologist. Mm -hmm. So naturalists will um, make a population surveys, will... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a job where you look at nature mostly. Okay, observing. Yeah, mm. but not only, you will uh, also work and make a decision. It's a pretty complete work that I found pretty interesting, what I wanted to do before <laughs> actually being a naturalist. Uh -huh. Now I just want to be a master of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I want to tell you who the prophet is. So the prophet, um, from his life, he worked as well in uh, South America, and he realized that humans cannot overcome the biological limits of the planet. For him, it's, it's madness to say that we can uh, eat more than what the planet can regenerate every year. If you take more than what the planet regenerates every year, at some mm. point, it collapses. Mm. You, you can't do it. It's not sustainable. And so this is what the prophets think. They think we have to cut back, cut back. It's really what they think. We have to live with it, we, within these limits. Mm. So you can see now that these two guys have kind of a view that makes sense, but they really cannot uh, agree with each other. They're on probably a very interesting debate with each other. Mm, I don't know if it's a debate, because uh, I guess they really did not like each other. Wow, really? <laughs> like, if you... A lot of people started following these two guys, and so basically uh, the wizard will call the prophet uh, indifferent to the poor, because they will say that the poor won't get the, the food they need, while we could help them with technology. They can even call them racists, because the, the, the poor and the people who have, won't have the, the food to feed themselves will usually be non-Caucasian people. Mm -hmm. So like, without say uh, to the prophet, oh, you're racist and you're different to the poor and you're like, uh, you have a wrong thinking. On the prophet, they said to the wizard that uh, this thinking of trying to overcome the planet boundaries is just nonsense. We, we can't do it. We have to realize that the planet is, is, uh, is round. Mm. It's a ball. We live in a ball on, the, on the space and thinking otherwise is just wrong. And they said as well that uh, wizards are just fucking greedy people that doesn't want to accept this truth because living without limits usually means uh, cutting bad profits for, profits mm. for companies. Mm -hmm. So uh, they don't really like each other. And even during their life, they met a few times and it was uh, not so nice. <laughs> but that's, that's the main thing the, the book is telling. These two great views that, uh, of how to save humanity. Uh, to save it sounds like there is a big threat coming, but just like how to make humanity thrive, yeah, at or, least. Or develop, I guess, hmm. from where we are. I mean, what's then the point of this book to point out the two different views or, I mean, yeah, the two points is two different views that cohabited, and yeah. with these two guys that lived a hundred years ago, it's kind of explained a lot of thinking we have nowadays. Mm. For example, the um, Silicon Valley, they are clearly wizards. Mm. It's the most wizardy thing you can find now on the planet. Mm. It's like they want to go full high-tech, full technology. Elon Musk, he is the wizard. We can use space travel and we can mine the, the, the moon. This is the next level of wizard. Like we keep on doing the same thing, but we do it bigger scale because we take our spaceship and we go all the way up to mm -hmm. the moon to mine the moon or whatever they're saying. Mm -hmm. And it can be convincing in some points. Like thinking, yeah, it could work. It maybe. sounds awesome, right? If you say we sounds go to the cool. moon and Mars. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like that type of thinking? Yeah, that's probably what they think when they speak about that as well. But who wouldn't? 
We will not like that. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people find it very exciting, those type of stories, like developing a rocket. Or, I it mean, that's, exciting. Yeah, it's more exciting than we have to lower our stuff down. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's one problem, I guess, why the profit of a trouble finding the public is that uh, it's less sexy. Yeah, probably. Would you, if you could get a, a spacecraft to, to Mars, would you go to Mars? I think it could be interesting. I think yes. But no return ticket. You just go yeah. there and you walk on the station, you will be uh, <laughs> walking with circular economy. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. What about the fact that uh, it's quite empty there for now? There is not yeah, so much. it's very harsh. Yeah, it's harsh and uh, it's not like, it's, oh, uh, I'm going to visit uh, this city. I think even the... <laughs> Even the best trained people are not prepared for that kind of climate. You're not prepared. No, I mean, uh, if I guess uh, only a very if you go there or to Mars or whatsoever, and you have a very small amount of people around you. Mm. I don't know. Uh, we are very we are <laughs> developed to interact with people, and so you think we get uh, sick of the people? Yeah, or conflicts rise. Yeah, and probably the distance from the earth, you have to do everything by yourself, by yourself. Yeah. And, but I was actually, yeah, I don't know, but it, we are so far, it, it will take so long before we have uh, able to go up to Mars, I think. So. And the prophet will tell you that we should never go there anyway, no. we're just wasting resources and yeah. overcoming the limits of the planet even more. Which of these two visions do you think makes more sense to you? That's a trap question, actually. Um, for me, uh, well, it's very political, both, both then. But mm -hmm. uh, for me, itself, I, I'm very into uh, these type of uh, big things like uh, rockets and yeah. go to the moon and uh, that kind of stuff. It's cool, I like that. Uh, it's cool, I can't yeah. deny it. Yeah. <laughs> and on the other hand, yeah, I've seen myself, yeah. We cannot uh, contribute more than we already do to this planet, like uh, re using resources, depleting. Uh, the way that I think we can be more efficient in the way we grow, with one square meter of uh, growing, now we grow around like four times more than the last century on the same square meter on average. So we, we can do more, but uh, yeah, but more with what? I mean, you need to grow with water. I guess fertilizer. We don't. Have, yeah, but we don't have an infin infinitive amount of water. Oh, but water regenerates. It has a cycle. It's a flow. Yeah, yeah. But that's still. one thing they speak in the book. The book as well. They make the difference between stock and flows. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. We have water. True, but growing crops as in a desert it doesn't make sense to me. Mm. And in areas where there's a lot of water, for example. For example, I don't know, like Israel is very good in... Uh, Pumping water? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of groundwater they use. I mean, they have a very good agricultural uh, industry, I guess. Yeah, if you take the example they gave in the book, is Brazil have like uh, one-fourth of the population of India, maybe, not sure about the number, but the idea is they have less population yeah. and they have more water yeah. than India. But there is no way we can bring Brazilian water to India. Mm. Not cost-effective, at least. Not cost-effective, yeah. it's just impossible. Uh, 
we we don't have uh, enough materials to make a pipeline that long. <laughs> like no. it, it's just not possible. I mean, it rains a lot in India. They have the monsoons. Mm -hmm. It depends on the area. Like uh, the east, the western part of India is very dry, and the east side is a jungle. And then the north, you have, you have the Himalayas with a lot of uh, rain. Mm -hmm. yeah. But still, I heard they have a lot of famines. Maybe that's the, uh, the only information we get from the news is when something like that happens. What? You're telling that the news are not giving the <laughs> right information? <laughs> I mean, if you, I guess if you watch sometimes like Al Jazeera, then, I don't know, I watch that When you watch what? Al Jazeera. Uh-huh. They give a more perspective on Asia and Africa. Uh, and they tell more... I see more news from that type of region than we get here from Sweden. So do you mean you get different news depending on where you listen to them? No, well, I mean, if you live in France, you will listen more to the, the radio or news stations from France. Yes, obviously. And, of, and obviously the news will be related close to France, like great, what happens in Great Britain or Germany, maybe Russia and America. Well, France is a special case actually. Okay. We're one of the countries that is famous to have news that mostly speak about France. French, yeah. Like okay. it's it's crazy when you go out of the world, like let's say in Sweden, mm -hmm. for example, you see that they speak about uh, all the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. But in France, we don't know what's happening in the world. We barely know what's happening in Belgium <laughs> because we're so busy speaking about ourselves already. Yeah, that's true. And when Holland is the same. Really, we're very extra. Intro, intro, no. introvert? No, no, like uh, focus outside our boundary of our country. Uh huh. But that's also well, maybe because there is not so much to say about a country of sixteen million as well. No, <laughs> that's not, and it's small, tiny, and we will. We we are not so. Um, what do you say? We don't have a huge influence on everything. Mm -hmm. Small. You used to have back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> when we had, yeah. <laughs> Colonialism, yeah. this kind of uh, funny times. Yeah, no, true. But, but yeah. Yeah, what, what, back to the book again. Yes. What, uh, to which um, side or perspective would you see yourself to? Like the, to the, the wizard or more the prophet? I, when I asked you the question, I told you it was a trap question. Mm. Because I don't think you should choose a side. That's the main thing you get in this book. Like, these people are opposing themselves and they have two different views that make sense at some time and sometimes you should choose the other one. Mm. So I think the, the key to the most efficient uh, political choice you could make or decisions you could take would be a good mix of wizardness and prophetness. Because if I had to go for 100% of one of these two, I will go for the prophet because they are the safest one. There is no uh, failing when you go for the prophet. He's cutting back, it's painful in the beginning, we lose some human life, we reduce the population, that's what it means. But uh, then it works, it has to work, it makes sense. Mm. While the wizard is much more of a bet, it's like um, trying hopefully to end up developing the technology that will save us all, like basically speaking about something that never really happened in the past. No, but yeah, but uh, I found it difficult because so far we always kind of kind of predicted oftenly like, and always is three times faster or yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely. In this book, when uh, you hear about the life of these two 
two lanes. So the book starts by telling their background story and why did they create it uh, unwillingly. They didn't think, I want to become the wizard and become the prophet. It just they inspired others. And so why they grew up to become what they become. Uh, and then you have like four chapters that look at uh, applying their vision on the four big uh, subjects. Mm -hmm. The four elements, the earth, that is the food, the water, that is fresh water, that as you said, we don't have so much fresh water, uh, the fire, that is energy, mm -hmm. and the wind, that is climate change. That is a good way to remember these four things that are important altogether. Okay. And so he looks at each of these points and look. Uh, regarding this issue or problem, this subject, how would the prophet or the wizard uh, try to face it? And so the wizard is a science, a sheet out of it, and the prophet is uh, trying to reduce, try to make a decentralized thing, for example, that we love um, permaculture, green belts around cities, mm. when it comes to energy, that we like uh, spread solar panels on every roof instead of like a, a big uh, charcoal uh, central, <laughs> that would be a weird, weird thing. And when I started reading this book, I thought that the, the author would be more towards the wizard. I felt that way because nowadays the trend of what we hear in the media is really towards the wizard. Mm -hmm. It's a startup nation. It's uh, Silicon Valley, it's uh, high-tech as much as you can, it's IT. Yeah. So that's the, the, the main thing nowadays. While the prophets are more treated as hippies and trying to go back to nature, like uh, a bit marginal people, mm -hmm. I would say, a bit more. Mm -hmm. Even though I, I get the feeling that this thinking is growing nowadays. Well, I've, yeah, maybe more in Sweden, or maybe as, even in Holland, I get the feeling. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say it grows so much in Sweden. I think Sweden are pretty attached to their high technology. Well, I think uh, I think they I think they're quite back to the nature roots. Ah, good point. Yeah, it's important to feel still connected to nature when you are in Sweden. Yeah, I think Swedish people really, if they have the time, they go out for hikes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and maybe camp overnight in the woods. True, doing a hike. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was saying something that I... <laughs> no, that you mentioned that uh, people like the hippies of the, um, the wizards, no, right? Mm -hmm. I mentioned that I thought the author would be more towards the wizard. Yeah. Well, actually, I would have hoped to, for him to be less as little biased as possible, but I think he was more biased towards the prophets, because when he was describing the wizard, he was describing how much struggle it is to achieve anything. The guy, Norman Borlaug, mm -hmm. he had a lot of shit during his life. Mm -hmm. Doing this thing was so hard, it could have failed so many times, like it really seemed so hard when he's doing it, and then finally he get like a teeny bit of luck that allow him to keep on going, but it's not like uh, luck was smiling to him all the time. It's not a success story. It's a hard life. Mm. It speaks about both of these guys have a hard life. But it, we're a hard life in which sense you mean? Yeah, I mean like uh, everything they tried to do, they had to put a lot of effort. No family life whatsoever. Like the Norman Borlaug, uh, his crop and his idea was failing all the time. He got a lot of pressure from the foundation that was financing him. He somehow ended up having some results at some point, but he was never sure 100% this was going to work. And then when he has his new crops, that was supposed to give more food, mm. 
he gives it to the farmers and uh, if they do something bad then the crops will fail because it was fragile so like so many must have been really stressful to be that man yeah. and the same with the, the prophet Locked. he um, got fired from every possible job he had every time it was like getting kicked out people showing the door like <laughs> but they didn't have an easy life these two guys why did he get so often fired? Uh, he was apparently very um, shredding the patience of everyone around him mm. because he was so convinced in his ideas of uh, biological limits and he would put them forward and uh, as more important than what uh, place where he is wants to achieve, I guess. Mm. He worked for a birth control uh, company or organization at some point and he was one of the founders and he got kicked out because people couldn't stand him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I guess, a very particular uh, threat uh, characteristics to have. Yeah, <laughs> to be kickable. Yeah, <laughs> or that you are so convinced in your own uh, believings that you don't care what other people say and then you spit it out and then you don't make so many... Mm, that's interesting because something about what I reflect uh, a lot, actually. If you want to achieve great things, let's say if you want to be president, or if you want to um, create a company that will um, help the people so much in the day of tomorrow, you have to be kind of convinced and be almost not selfish, but to not get destroyed by critics. Yeah. But what difference do you make between someone that is convinced of doing this good thing and actually doing it? compared to a completely crazy guy that is convinced uh, of something really stupid. Like, I don't know how to make the difference mm. between these two guys. Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, yeah, you need to, I guess you need a little bit cocky. Yes. What amount of cockiness do we need in today's world? Depends. I mean, yeah, it depends if you take um, too hard uh, advice from people close to you or people far away, you know? Mm. If you, I think that's more important. If people outside criticize you, you can just brush it off. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. but the people who are close to you, I think that's more more important than to not reconsider, but take maybe bits of pieces of this advice into your thing what you're doing, and keep on on the big goal you have in mind. Mm. Follow your dreams. Yeah, or, yeah, or the idea you have. Yeah. I Seems guess. like this kind of big thing we hear a lot, follow your dreams, just make it happen. Yeah, but it, it's about big speech, it's not about, I mean, yeah, you can say, yeah, this is my dream. It's yeah, my well, vision. But yeah, how, but there's a big difference between having a dream and getting to the dream. You, yes. know, you need to have something like, an, the, the tools or the ways of doing to, uh, to, to uh, not achieve, but to reach it or somehow. Yeah. It's not the same as uh, hearing someone successful big speech and then having to put the hand in the dirt by yourself yeah. want to make it happen. That's, that's why I'm sometimes a little bit, uh, not doubtful, but a little bit, uh, if people are talking about their achieve, how they achieved their big dreams, they never tell about how the way to it, you know? No. What if they started by scamming people as well? A lot of people say, um, if you want to get rich, the first million is going to be a hold-up. Really? And then you do good things. Hmm. I'm not sure about that, but apparently it's Rockefeller that, can't, that, that uh, Rock said he was a very rich man. And yeah. he said, I can tell you how I made every single dollar of my fortune. 
except the first million. This one I don't say. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a way to say the first million is always a scam. You have to fake it till you make it. Mm, <laughs> yes. But man, th this can we afford so many people that fake it? Like how many of them will actually make it for so many faking it? <laughs> <laughs> I've, well, often you forget as well, but, but a lot of success stories doesn't have big... Like those two guys, uh, what is the name again, which you told? Uh, Norman Borlock, the wizard, the and William Vogt, the prophet. Yeah, for example, those two guys, they had so many failures during their life and that contributed to kind of the success what they had in the end. Mm. And uh, everyone uh, forget, of course, all, all about their failures or their attempts that didn't succeed. But only you look on the results. Yeah, that's the process. How will it be uh, actually if we were to focus on the failure more than on the success? Wow, look, in America they do that. Like I heard, if you fail a company, you make your own company, a working company, and because of you, everything crash. You put it on your CV because it's through failing mm -hmm. that you learn. They say fail hard, fail fast, and I think that's actually. I don't, I'm not really informed of the. Uh, pure American way of seeing things but this is something I would like to take from them like you learn from failure well in Europe you shouldn't fail you know yeah we play it safe yeah we play it safe we play it. but I then mean, you can gain big like we what do you remember the most in your life what have you learned you learn things when you've been failing you remember mistakes you've made long ago yeah but uh, your success well, I guess you remember a few of your success no, success is just Often one in the many things. <laughs> oh, you have too many things. No, it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, you achieve it? Okay, let's, let's go to the next one, you know? Yeah. You're never uh, standing uh, long, for, still for a moment to think about, okay, I've reached this point. Maybe 50 minutes and then, okay, let's, let's go. You know, that's, mm. it's always bigger, more, faster, you know? Yes. Well, what I can um, summarize from this book is that this guy kind of had, uh, had somehow a form of success in the end because they influenced others and now we still speak about them so we can see that as a success. But I could say as well that uh, listeners that have been uh, following us for so long mm -hmm. and uh, listened to this whole podcast, it's a form of success. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Course, you have to start small. Yes. And even us, we need to uh, learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yes. So we. This is why we have to say that we appreciate feedback. Yes. And hopefully, you will continue listening to the other podcasts that will coming up. Yeah. We have a lot of pleasure doing it. So yeah. please tell us what you think. Thank you for listening. And see you till next time. Hello. Hello.